This is the Scottish Football Citizen, bringing you the best of Scottish football from the past. I'm Andy Kerr, and with Tanadice Park hosting the first Dundee derby of the season on Sunday, I speak to fans of Dundee and Dundee United to hear their memories about derbies from years gone by and find out what the derby means to them. Before we get started, here's your weekly dose of trivia. Which team has more victories overall in the derby, Dundee or United? We'll give you the answer at the end of the podcast. The Dundee Derby is one of the most high-profile derby matches in the country and sees Dundee go head-to-head with their close rivals Dundee United. Despite Dundee being established in 1893 and United being established in 1909, football in the city of Dundee goes back even further than this. Dundee FC was formed as a merger of two clubs, Dundee East End FC and Our Boys FC, in order to gain entry to the Scottish Football League, and for many years, the Dark Blues were the big team in the city. While Dundee had a Scottish identity right from their formation in 1893, Dundee United's roots stemmed from within the Irish community of the city. While there had been the football clubs formed by Irish people in the city such as the defunct Dundee Hibernian and Dundee Harp, a new Dundee Hibernian was formed in 1909 after the demise of Harp. While Dundee played in dark blue early after their formation, Dundee Hibernian wore green and white and played their first ever match at Cleppington Park against the more famous Edinburgh Hibernian. Cleppington Park was a literal stone's throw away from Dundee's Dens Park and was soon renamed Tanadice Park. While Dundee were the established team in the city, Dundee Hibernian initially attracted a good following from the Irish community, but by the start of the 1920s, Dundee Hibernian was in serious danger of folding like its predecessor, Harp. A group of local businessmen saved the club in October 1923 and decided that in order to gain more appeal in the city outside the Irish community, a major rebrand was needed. The club initially opted to change their name to Dundee City, but when Dundee heard of this, they objected loudly. Instead, Dundee Hibernian changed their name to Dundee United and changed their kits from green and white to white and black. It would take quite some time for United to lose their status of the wee team in the city, thanks to the stature of their rivals from up the street at Dens Park. For decades, the Dees were able to attract larger crowds than their neighbours and had national success relatively early in their existence when they lifted the Scottish Cup in 1910 after beating Clyde in the final. Even after the Second World War, Dundee were still in the driving seat, with Bob Shankly's famous team winning the club's first and only league title in 1962 and then going on to the semi-finals of the European Cup where they were defeated by eventual winners AC Milan. In 1970, former Dundee player Jim McLean hung up his boots after two seasons at Kilmarnock with his brother Tommy and became a coach at Dens Park under the management of John Prentice. To many outsiders looking in, 
It seemed as if the Dundee board was preparing to make McLean their manager when Prentice left. But in a shock move, McLean applied for the vacant job at Tanadice once the United manager Jerry Kerr announced his intention to retire. And to his shock, the United board offered him the job. At this point, Kerr had been the most successful manager in United's history, building up the club's stature and recording a famous win over Barcelona in 1966. Kerr also changed United's entire identity as he changed the club colours from white and black to tangerine and black following a pre-season trip to the USA where United played as the Dallas Tornadoes. As well as playing under the name of the Dallas Tornadoes, they also played in their colours of tangerine. Kerr's wife was a big fan of the colour scheme and in 1969 the change became permanent. To this day, United's home kit is still tangerine and black. Dundee have worn dark blue home shirts since 1902 and it's safe to say that neither side are planning on any wholesale changes anytime soon. For a couple of years after McLean crossed the road, Dundee were still the big dogs in the city, lifting the League Cup against Celtic in 1973. But not long afterwards, United reached their first ever Scottish Cup final in 1974, when Celtic defeated McLean's side 3-0. Over the rest of the decade, United suddenly found themselves in a position of strength over their rivals, and in 1979, they won their first major honour by beating Alec Ferguson's Aberdeen at Dens Park in a replayed cup final. If there was any doubt as to who the city's top team was, United then defeated Dundee at Dens the following season to retain the League Cup before going on to win the league against Dundee at Dens in 1983. United even equaled Dundee's feat of reaching the semi-finals of the European Cup in 1984. Unfortunately for United, they too lost out in the semi-finals of the competition to Italian opposition as Roma put the terrors out of the cup, thanks in no small part to a crooked referee. For all United's successes under McLean from 1971 to 1993, there was one trophy that Dundee could use to taunt their rivals, and that was the Scottish Cup. Jim McLean had reached six finals and lost every single one, but United would finally break their Scottish Cup hoodoo in 1994 when Ivan Golach, McLean's replacement, won the Cup at the first time of asking. Since then, both teams have suffered relegations and experienced promotions, seeing both teams in the second tier of Scottish football just a few short years ago. With United having won the Championship in 2020, and Dundee having won promotion to the Premiership through the playoffs in May 2021, both teams are now back in the top flight and ready to take each other on to see who emerges as the top dog in the city of discovery. Since United are the home team on Sunday, we'll firstly speak to a United fan. Lawrence Lindsay is a Dundee United fan and runs Celebrating Memories, a business that looks to use the power of memory to enhance the lives of people with dementia and other conditions in care environments. Here are his memories and thoughts on the derby. How are you doing and are you looking forward to Sunday? Certainly am, yeah. Always enjoy the, the derby match. Unfortunately, I'm actually going to miss it. Um, it was Alex W down south. Uh, um, my pal's over from America, so I'm off to see Huddersfield Town. 
versus Nottingham Forest. So I didn't plan that too well, but um, but I'll still be keeping an eye out for the result and listening to it on the radio when I get the chance. I suppose that's uh, it's some kind of substitute for the Dundee derby, maybe not as high yeah. profile, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll start off at the very beginning then. How long have you been a Dundee United fan for and what's your first memory of supporting United? Well, it goes back uh, 1982. Um, I've just moved back from England. We'd lived down in England for 10 years and um, we came up and started working in Glenrothes and my boss was a Dundee United fan and uh, he suggested going up to see United playing Celtic in a, a League Cup semi-final uh, in which it was over these two-legged games. United had lost 2-0 away and um, uh, United had to try and win 2-0 at Tannadice and then see how the game went. Charlie Nicholas got a, a last-minute goal to make it 2-1 to United so we were out the League Cup that night but it was a brilliant night because living in England you didn't tend to hear much about Scottish football and suddenly I had uh, I went to a match that I didn't think I'd be up to much and it was absolutely stunning the atmosphere was amazing and uh, it really kind of blew me away how good it was I mean, the Celtic fans were noisy United fans were noisy and Tannadice just was a great place to watch a match so uh, 39 years ago I'd heard a bit about United because um, St Greavesy used to cover them quite a lot um, when United were on the European adventures. So uh, they're beating teams like Borussia Mönchengladbach, which that 5-0 victory, you know, that I think that sent waves right around Europe. So, um, you know, it was great to hear that. Then the Monaco result, beat Monaco over in, over in uh, Monaco. They beat, uh, they beat Anderlecht. Uh, so some great, you know, St. Greaves just seemed to cover it on United every week from Europe. So that really always had me interested in United. And surprisingly, move up to five, and before you know it, I'm off watching the team at Tannadice. So it was, uh, yeah, it was always a great experience going to Tannadice. Really enjoyed it. What are your memories of how Tannadice looked back then? Because obviously it's a very different looking stadium to what it is now in 2021. Yeah, it was one, um, it was a really good stadium to actually watch a game. And, you know, it's a, it was a bit of a mixed match of, of ground. You know, there's just different stands and such like. I mean, some Saturdays, I mean, my pal would actually stand in behind the dugouts when you used to be able to do that. And we used to enjoy watching Jim McLean giving uh, his instructions to the players. I'll not say the words he used to use, but um, it used to, be, used to be quite an interesting thing to um, watch him uh, give instructions and tell the players how to play pro- football properly. Um, that was always good. But I used to always stand in the shed. It was always great atmosphere in there, a lot of singing. Um, there was a lot of movement. It was just you know, a great place to watch football at Tannadice and uh, I just used to look forward there was um, European nights uh, it was in days before health and safety we used to watch the game at one end of the ground and then uh, half time we'd walk around to the other end of the ground you know and suddenly that just stopped we weren't that was unsafe to do but uh, it was just great being able to get behind your team at both ends of the ground um, but we used to love the shed and I do miss the shed because obviously it's all been modernised the ground now and we don't tend to sit in the shed as much um, you know, but United just was a great ground. Twenty, I think it was at twenty-two thousand capacity, and now it's down to fourteen. So obviously, there's a slight change in um, atmosphere at the games, but um, it's still still a good place to see football. It's a great ground, quite compact, and uh, you always generally see a good game there. You're quite close to the pitch, so you can help the players on their way. <laughs> a few instructions. Help being an in inverted commas, I assume. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> and uh, when you moved up from England and you first went to Tannadice, were you surprised at the proximity of Dens to Tannadice? 
Yeah, that actually, that was the, the big surprise. I'd never heard that before. And um, because I was with my boss, Jack, and uh, he says, look up there. And I was like, that's another football ground, you know. And uh, so I got a bit of an education that night because, you know, it was it was quite interesting to see. I don't think it happens anywhere else in Britain at all. Um, so it's uh, it just kind of, I think it adds to the atmosphere of the two teams. And, uh, you know, when they play each other, you, you, you um, just a great rivalry in Dundee. Now that brings me on quite nicely to my next question. Um, both Dundee clubs have got several rivalries. You've both got a Tayside rivalry with St Johnston, and you've also got other rivalries with, all due respect, uh, smaller Angus teams. Uh, what do you think it is that separates the Dundee derby apart from these other derbies that exist? Yeah, I mean, I think there's something special about the, the Dundee, Dundee derby. I think the, the two colours are so distinctive for a start. You know, they the tangerine up against the dark blue, I think that just adds something to it. I don't know what it is, uh, but it does make the game look quite special, even on TV. I think it just suits television viewing as well. It's um, it's a great match and always full of uh, um, high tackles and whatever else people determine, determine not to lose. Uh, I enjoy the games against St. Johnson. Um, they always tend to be close. In fact, more recently, I think St. Johnson tend to beat United, so I probably went off them a little bit. But... Um, you know, they, and I think more the, the other rivalries probably with five teams. I think uh, United used to have a bit of a rivalry with Dunfermline for a while when we got relegated back in the mid-90s. And uh, we used to enjoy the games against Pars. I actually even used to know the Dunfermline manager's... Uh, I used to know... Uh, I used to work with the Dunfermline manager's daughter and she used to give me all the stories about the club and that. And we used to wind each other up at, at work um, about the games that just taken place. So there was a, a good season that year and I think Bert Payton was in charge. So it was, uh, it was nice. Now, going back to your uh, first ever season, you mentioned that you became a United fan in 1982. Obviously, that was a, a good season to start picking up on uh, Dundee United. What are your first memories of the derby, given that there was a particularly high-profile derby at the end of that season? Well, that actually was uh, my first league game, to be honest. Um, that game at the end of 1982-83 season, when United had to win to win the league, um, you know, there was a chance Celtic might lose over again when they were playing Rangers, and uh, but United knew they had to win. And I think leading up to that game, we had to win about five games up to the end of the season, and we won every single one of them. So coming into the Dundee match, um, it was the atmosphere was electric. It really was. The boss took us up. I think we spent most of uh, the morning and early afternoon in the pub in Dundee, and then the boss decided at about twenty past two we better go on the way to the match. And we got to the ground and uh, there was queues out of every. We thought we were never going to get in. And then we found a turnstile. It was open. There was just nobody at it. We just walked straight into the ground. We were at the dugouts behind the um, the Dundee manager. So he came in for a few pelters that um, afternoon. Don McKay, I think, was the manager at Dundee at the time. But uh, United had to win. And, of course, within like seven minutes, Ralphie Milne got the ball and chipped the keeper. And uh, the place went wild. It really was such an amazing atmosphere. 29,000 United Dundee fans there. And uh, then we got another, we got a penalty, missed it. But uh, Eamon Barnum put in rebound. Even though you're 2 0 up, there's always a chance that you know the opposition come back into the game. We heard that uh, Rangers were beaten, I think Celtic 2 0 at half time. So could you relax? Could you not? Celtic, I think, went on to win 4 2, and Dundee scored late on against us, making it 2-1. So the last 15 minutes of the game seemed like 
six months. It was an incredible ending to the game and this uh, support went wild. My boss was in tears, to be honest. Um, he was you know, a big United fan all these days and uh, seeing United win the league is something we'll probably never see again. Um, so it was, uh, it was a really, really good match. And uh, from then on, I've been up to see United ever since. Uh, either um, I'm driving up myself or just going to a supporters club. I used to run the, the Glen Rothis Arabs and uh, we used to take the bus everywhere. You know, so I've uh, been seeing United all over the place and took the bus even over to Copenhagen, which was uh, an interesting bus trip I'll never do again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was watching United since that big derby back in 80. 283 has just been really special there. In fact, you didn't realise how good it was back in the 80s. Um, United were just such a good team. Um, I remember actually seeing United win 3-0 and they got booed off when they played Motherwell. The crowd just had an expectation that they had to win and win well. And they didn't actually play particularly well beating Motherwell 3-0, but that was uh, that was the level that United fans expected and uh, generally got most weeks. So it was exciting stuff every week. Hmm. I actually remember um, when the tributes were coming in to Jim McLean, there was one United fan who wrote in the online book of condolences, he quoted the band James from their song Sit Down, if I hadn't seen such riches, I could live with being poor. And for me, that, to me, it very much sums up the whole um, history of Dundee United, whereby they were the lesser team in the city, suddenly this guy comes along and suddenly everything's just turned on its head and very much the top dogs. Now, coming on to derbies again, what derby matches stick out for you? Are there any games in particular that you were at that you really enjoyed? Yeah, well, obviously it was the, the game when they won the league. That was a, a big match for us, the derby match there. But um, the semi-final of the 19... 1987, I think it was, uh, Dundee United played Dundee at Tynecastle. And uh, it was a bit of a pain in so far as the two teams, I think, wanted to play in Dundee, but were sent to, to play in Tynecastle. So we all traipsed over to Edinburgh. Um, I got stuck on the fourth road bridge, so I missed the first 20 minutes of the game. And United were uh, winning 1-0, I heard on the radio. So we rushed through the streets, finally got parked because obviously it was a big crowd. And Edinburgh's not the easiest place to park. And we, I rushed through the streets, got in the ground. <laughs> and then... Um, then Dundee scored just as I got in the ground, so it was now 2-1 to Dundee in the semi-finals of the Scottish Cup. So uh, not happy, but it was a real proper cup tie. It really was. United equalised in the second half, and then we knocked in a third and won the game 3-2, and it was just an end-to-end match. Absolutely amazing. Um, we've had some kind of decent games more recently where United uh, won 6-2 against Dundee on two occasions. And they were really special because obviously to beat Dundee any time is good, but to win 6-2 is, uh, is even better. And uh, they were just uh, great matches, electric atmospheres. And uh, yeah, beating your rivals is something good. When you have been at Derby games before, are there any big game players that have really stood out? You know, players that you would always want in your team every single time that you played Dundee? Yeah, I mean, well... Paul Sturrock, uh, definitely, he would just create chances out of nothing, score amazing goals. Um, he, he was just always a, a great player, running up, uh, obviously in the days when he didn't bother even wearing um, shin pads. You know, how he uh, managed to play so long without shin pads is incredible. But, uh, you know, even, I think I won Paul Sturrock Scotland top in his testimonial year, which I was always proud to do. Um, I tried to wear it five a side, it was far too small for me, and I'm not big <laughs> at the time, but... Uh, 
that was good. Paul Sturrock was just a great hero, United fans, and Ralph Milne, obviously, he was, um, when he was on fire, you know, nobody could stop Ralph Milne on the wing. Um, great, great player to watch. I was always sad to see him leave United. And uh, I always felt um, connected with Jim McAnally and Davy Bowman as well, because they both kind of signed at the time when I was going to see United pretty regular. And uh, they were two really good, tough players and give a lot of steel to the United midfield and defence. Um, you know, was, you know, see some great tackles from those two, which probably wouldn't stand to be allowed now. But uh, <laughs> good old days of football back in the, the 70s and 80s. And uh, I think a probably more recent hero of mine was always Darren Jackson as well, who just seemed to score some great goals. So I was always gutted when um, Darren Jackson left United. I felt we could have had a few more years out of him. But he went on to obviously great things as well at different clubs. So uh, yeah, so some to be some great players. And you know, when they played in the derby matches, they always seemed to turn it on. You know, because I can't think of too many times when we didn't play well in derby matches. So uh, when I saw them anyway, so uh, yeah, always pleased. And on the flip side of that coin, are there any Dundee players who in derby games you love to hate that you maybe saved a special bit of vitriol for? <laughs> well, it's funny because one guy I was actually going to put in the heroes was actually, I thought, I'll leave to the, the villains of the piece, uh, Billy Dodds. Um, Billy Dodds, United fans just loved to have a go at when he played for Dundee. He just gave his all when he played for them. You know, uh, he, he just was a great player. And, you know, he's one of these players that you hated. But of course, when he started playing for United, United fans absolutely loved him. He, you know, he really had a, a great time at United. I think he started playing for Scotland when he was at United, and um, you know, he just made a big difference to the team. And I was always gutted when he left and went to Rangers. Um, you know, I wish he'd stayed at United, and he would have gone to great things. He wouldn't never win league medals. Eh? He would have won and gone on to win a few more uh, derby matches. But uh, but there you go. And uh, I think John Brown was always another. Uh, Dundee player always give his all against United and used to wind United fans up. So we used to enjoy trying to wind him up as well. Um, and same with, I think, when he went to uh, Rangers. I think a lot of players, you never forget that they played for Dundee, even when they went to other clubs. So John Brown used to get it from United fans. I'm sure he enjoyed it, though. Probably spurred him on. Um, and the other two uh, partners in crime, Tommy Coyne and Keith Wright. Uh, Tommy Coyne I actually quite liked. He played for United as well. And... Um, you know, I always thought if we'd stuck with him, he might have gone on to score a few goals for us. But he um, he kind of struggled to kind of repeat what we'd had at Clyde Bank. So he, he went on to, um, you know, great things with Dundee, you know, so he went on to Celtic and Motherwell scored a lot of goals for those teams. Um, but him and Keith Wright up front, United fans just uh, give them pelters every time they saw them. In fact, they even talked to Keith Wright more recently. And uh, I was telling him that I was I was talking to one of those kind of um, Facebook uh, um, sites to do with football and Keith Wright put a comment and I put a comment back saying how much we used to love giving him pelters and he, we were having a bit of banter which was quite nice um, you know so I didn't say anything on, uh, rude to him you know it was just uh, nice being able to speak to someone you'd given a few pelters over the years you know and just having a nice conversation so uh, there you go <laughs> it's only it's only argumentative for 90 minutes when we're on the park eh? <laughs> I suppose that's kind of um the way it is with the Dundee Derby, that given it's quite like the Milan Derby, where you know families can be divided, there can be one black sheep in the family who supports another team from the rest of them. Um, it just seems very strange compared to other derbies, such as um, just taking the old firm or the Edinburgh derbies. There are clear Rangers and Celtic areas, there are clear Hibs and Hearts areas, but in Dundee there is no 
you know, there are no United or Dundee strongholds by and large. To me, yeah. that just seems bizarre. But um, it must be quite good having having that um, kind of relationship, um, I suppose, within the city. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was it was um, it was always something special when you're walking through the streets, looking forward to the derby match. It was um, you know just a great atmosphere in, in the city, and you know we were popping into the snug before the match and uh, just taking in the atmosphere and um, you know there was always lots of singing before the match you know you knew it was never going to be a quiet a quiet game you know you were going to get uh, behind the team throughout and uh, yeah great days great days you know uh, there was something that I mean must have made driving up to um, Dundee when I used to drive up from Fife or take the bus up you could see Tannadice lit up in, in the distance and it just looked the great ground from uh, up in the hill at uh, at uh, Dundee and um, you knew you were in for a good match you know whether it be a European match or derby match whatever you know um, I was really treated uh, to some great football nights back in the 80s you know um, I think it was one one week I think I saw five United games in one week you know I think we played Aberdeen twice in the cup and I think we played I think I, I think we played on the, the Saturday the Monday the Wednesday the Thursday and the, the following Saturday and I went to every single game because it was just the place to be and the season I got uh you know, he got to the UEFA Cup final. I think the season ticket cost me £80 that year. And I saw basically United, I think, 22 games in the league. I saw them get to the League Cup semi-final. We got to the UEFA Cup final. We also got the Scottish Cup final as well. I mean, I don't know how many games I saw for 80 quid that season. But uh, it was good value, shall we say. You definitely don't get that kind of dar- um, no. value nowadays. You really don't. No, they miss, they miss the European games. I think you sometimes get one European game match and uh, and you get one Scottish Cup tie if you're lucky. But um, yeah, I saw some games that season for 80 quid. It was amazing. <laughs> what was the last Dundee derby that you attended? Right, it was actually, because um, obviously the two teams have been separated for uh, you know on and off the last couple of years. And obviously with COVID, we couldn't get up to matches quite often. So um, the last game I kind of was determined to get to, um, it was back in 2016, the year we got relegated, and uh, there was a chance, I suppose, Dundee could send us on our way, but, um, you know, help us on our way. But, and I thought about not going because I couldn't face the Dundee fans having taken the mickey, basically, because Dundee were going to be safe, and we looked like we were going to get relegated. But I was determined to show face. I mean, I drove up, um, you know, I live in Ayrshire now, and I was determined to get up to the game just to... Um, to give me support for the team. We drew 2-2 that day and actually played quite well and actually gave me a bit of confidence we might have stayed up but didn't work out, obviously. But um, they, they held on to a 2-2 draw and it was actually quite a good game as, as ever the derby matches are. So uh, it was um, it was kind of nice when we can just keep these derby matches going. Uh, we've, we're back to playing them again this season in the league. We met, met them a few times in the Championship and... Uh, yeah, great games. We beat them 6-2, I think, when we in the Championship, which was, uh, that was a really special match as well, really electric atmosphere. So, uh, yeah, it's good to see United uh, Tannadice uh, rocking again. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned there about the up-and-down nature of the derby because the, um, there have been some years recently where you've both been in the Premiership, there are some where you've both been in the Championship and some where there's maybe a, a gap of a division between the two of them. Do you prefer there's being three guaranteed derbies at least a season or do you prefer not having it and then when it comes along say in a cup um, it's a special atmosphere 
I, I think before the, the derbies every season. I mean, I know you know you, you often say oh, it's good when Dundee get relegated or you know they come to some harm and you you won't see them, but you do uh, you do miss the derby matches and it's, it's something to look forward to um, because they are great matches. It's, uh, I, I can't actually think of many bad games between the two teams. Even even when we've been beaten, it's been an amazing atmosphere. Uh, I remember one game, I think back in the 80s, where we were 3-1 up and coasting, and the goalie made a mistake, and we ended up losing the game 4-3. But it was a really good game. Um, but, you know, uh, you would miss those matches. You know, it's just something, um, you know, enjoy going to football, but uh, there's just it just adds a little extra when you go to the Albion match that, um, you know, you don't get when you play you know, Edinburgh teams or wherever. No no disrespect to them because, you know, they're all good teams to, to watch as well. But uh, playing Dundee is uh, is a great derby, um, you know, and uh, it's great to have a go at your, your opposing fans and tell them how wonderful they're playing. <laughs> Thanks to Lawrence for speaking with us. We now move over to a dark blue view on Sunday's game by speaking to Patrick Barclay. Paddy is a Dundee fan and former journalist who has written biographies of Sir Matt Busby, Sir Alec Ferguson and Herbert Chapman to name but a few. Having lived in England for the majority of his working life, Paddy is now making up for lost time by going to as many Dundee matches as he possibly can. Here's what happened when I sat down with him. I'm speaking with Patrick Barclay. Paddy is a former journalist and a Dundee fan who's covered many a game and many a tournament in his time. And now he's managed to get himself a ticket for the game on Sunday. So, yeah. first of all, how are you doing? I'm very well indeed, thanks. Actually, even better. Uh, and because uh, as we speak, it's a few days in advance of the match and I've just got a second ticket. So, my, my best mate from Dundee who... You watched them with me side by side when we were young kids, when we were winning the league and getting to the semi-finals of the European Cup in the early 1960s. And he's, he still puts me up when I'm in Dundee and I've got a ticket for him as well. So absolutely buzzing, as they say, and can't wait for the game. Excellent. Now, you've t you mentioned there about uh, winning the league and uh, also mentioned the European Cup semi-final yeah. in 1963. That leads me on nicely to my first question. How long have you been a Dundee fan for and what's your first memory of supporting them? Oh, I can remember exactly. It was... Uh, it, it, I can't remember the year. Uh, it was in the mid-1950s. Um, I was about nine, so it would be about 56, 1956. <laughs> Uh, it just seems ridiculous. It's so long ago, but anyway, um, I was my grandfather had um, had sort of brought me. He wasn't really a football fan by then, but he he, he brought me up on stories of the nineteen ten Scottish Cup winning team, four Englishmen in it, and 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 talked about those players. And he talked also about the post war team that won the League Cup twice. I think it was 51 and 52, something like that. And he talked about Alf Boyd and all those. And, and, and although he didn't go to games, I, he, he fired me up with this enthusiasm. So eventually I said, you got, you please, you know, make, make it possible for me to go to a game. So he, he had a car. He was quite, quite well off. He'd been in the duty industry and uh, he had uh, this car, a Humber Hawk it was. And he drove me to dance. Bear in mind, I'm, I'm nine years of age. He drove me to dance. 
Drop me outside this Hibs game. There's Dundee v Hibs and a, a guy called Tommy Younger, famous goalkeeper, was in goal for Hibs. That's all I can remember. I can remember a lot of the Dundee players, but a great goal scorer called George Merchant. And he dropped me outside the game and uh, I went and paid my shilling. That's, what, three and a half pence or something, uh, to get in. And it was in the main stand. I walked in alone and at the end he came in his car once the crowds had cleared it was about 15,000 the crowd was and uh, and picked me up and, and drove me home again so that was it and I was completely in love then you know I mean it wasn't just myth it was reality I, and it was the dark blue shirts you know with a white trim I think in those days we're still wearing rugby style shirts with a collar you know and uh oh just that deep dark blue oh god uh beautiful beautiful and uh and that was it i was completely in love and and then a few years later um we we, we won the league and i thought this is this is brilliant you know i used to feel sorry for people who supported real madrid or rangers or little teams like that because they didn't get as much success as dundee did i thought it was gone forever but you, you you don't always get everything right that is very true the the one constant in football is that you never know what's going to happen next <laughs> yeah, so right andy you know it's uh and 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 obviously it's you know that league in 1961 too where we were one of the great I mean, we were that, that team, Linney, Hamilton, Cox, Seathew, Wishart, Smith, Benman, Cousin, Gilzean, Robertson was um, compared by at least one historian, Crampsey, with a really very respected uh, Scottish football historian. It was uh, described as comparable with the Lisbon Lions in terms of quality. And... Um, you know, the, the little that you can still see of them and, and my own recollection, which is not quite so reliable, uh, would seem to, you can still see on YouTube, if you, if you Google in Rangers 1 done D5, you can still see one of the games that season. Um, you get extended highlights, about eight, nine minutes of it. And you can see the quality there, um, particularly of Alan Gilzean, who probably was the greatest player that ever played for the club. Um, he was my hero, still is, even though he... Um, well, we we had we had to go to his funeral about four or five years ago, but he's still my hero and always will be as a as a man um, as well as a, a great footballer. What are your memories of uh, how Dens Park was back then? You mentioned that in <laughs> your first game you were in the main stand. Obviously, yeah. Dens has changed quite a bit yeah. since then. Yeah. Well, the great thing about it was you could test all parts of the ground. And because it was all free to move, you were free, able to move. In fact, a lot of us, when, when you're young, you, you tend to go behind the goal. And, and so we, we would go to the goal. At halftime, we'd change ends. It was a, it, it, you know, you would just walk around, around uh, what is now the dairy. Because you, you, actually, you couldn't go through the enclosure in front of the main stand because that cost sixpence, uh, two pence or whatever it is. Um, you had to pay sixpence because you got cover. So you, you, you had to walk around the dairy, which, you know, the main popular side opposite the main stand. And you walked through that. That wasn't covered at that particular time. And, and then to the other end, so you could watch, you know, go get a really close-up view of the goals going in. But my favorite place in the ground then was the top of the Prov 
Provias, we called it the Provost Road End, which was the cop. You know, the, every, a lot of grounds had these sort of lopsided shale mountains. Uh, I remember Third Lanark, the late lamented Third Lanark, had one where the buses, the opposing team's buses, used to park on the top of the, this shale mountain at the back of the ground, at, at, at the, on the on the the, the main supporters ended. Of course, the most famous cop was uh, Anfield, Liverpool. But we had one, and it sort of went right up to the highest point of the ground. And I used to stand right at the top there and look down over the ground to get a nice sort of panoramic view. By then, you know, I was getting a bit older, and, and I wanted to see a bit of how the game panned out as well as just watching the goals go in. So uh, that was it. And then... Later, I became, you know, it had to be a sideways on view, so I, I, I went into the thing, but the, the, what's now the dairy, you know, opposite the main stand. But the, the thing about it is that I could only see several games because by then I'd got uh, a job as a football writer in England, which obviously means you can't watch Dundee, and that, that was the only real downside of that. And, so what I would do early in the season, we'd play the, the League Cup played and it would be two games a week, same as it is now, actually. So I would drag my family, my poor Mancunian wife and, uh, and my two kids. I would drag them up on holiday in August in Scotland and I'd go and watch, um, you know, three games in eight days, all the Dundee games um, before the English season started. But... Um, yeah, I was just sort of watching from afar for about 40 years. But if, it was, if they were ever on the TV or something, which wasn't very often in those days. I mean, we'd be so spoiled during the COVID. You can watch. Uh, I saw last season, 2021 season, I saw every single minute of every single game Dundee played, including preseason friendlies. Every single minute. We had four preseason friendlies up in the Highlands. So every minute of those, I logged into, you know, Brora Rangers TV and all that. And uh, so I could watch every single minute of every single game. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, we were really, really spoiled. But um, no, for most of the time, it's just been following it through, through, um, you know, did, you know, facts. Let's see how I was going to say, see facts, but, you know, following it through, through the internet. I remember once, I live near Fulham Football Club in London, and that's my London club. And I remember once the agony of going to a, a match. Dundee were playing Celtic. This was only recently, about five, six, seven years ago. We are playing Celtic at Dens, or yeah, it was at Dens, I think, and 1-0 up. And I was walking to Fulham. I was walking along the towpath, and I had my phone open. And, and I'd, we were 1-0 up, and, and the minutes were ticking by, and it was saying on the BBC website, 94 plus one, you know, and I thought, oh, blow your bloody whistle, ref, you know? And, uh, and it got to 94 plus five, and then and the, t the second one came up, one, one. I'll never forget that. It was like a dagger through the heart, you know, bloody Celtic had equalized in, in the 96th minute or something, you know, but anyway, still hurts a bit of that, you know, but anyway, it, it's much better when you can see the team live and, and I'm able now to see the, the team live I saw our opening game back in the Premier League, the wonderful sight of Charlie Adam back in the Premier League where he and we, I like to think we belong, and uh, it was against St Mirren, and it was a fabulous occasion, and I was there in the 
what's now called the Bobby Cox. But it used to be the Provi. It used to be the heap of shale where I stood all those years ago. So it's just it's just wonderful to be to be a football fan again and 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 see the game with the clarity that you never see it when, you, when, when you're a reporter and you're supposed to be analysing it. You never see it with the clarity of a fan. A fan, a fan knows exactly what the game's been all about. Uh, reporters just racking his brains all the time, trying to think of, have I got this right? Have I got that right? It's great. Brilliant now, and I love it. And I love Dundee Football Club. Always will. Both of the Dundee clubs have got uh, several rivalries, so you've got some minor rivalries with some of the Angus clubs. Yeah. You also have um, a kind of rivalry with St Johnson, although I know that some Dundee fans will say, oh, mm, it's not a rivalry. I recognise um, it now. But what is it that separates um, Dundee against United from the other games, and what makes it such a special occasion? Mm. Well, I, I, I'll probably make myself a bit unpopular with fellow D- Dundee fans, you know, but it's... To be realistic, it's to us, it's the Champions League final, the World Cup, everything rolled into one, playing against United. It, it, you know, I hate to admit it, you know, playing against St. Johnston is, is, is nice because it's close and, and all that. And, and the, in, in my day, the derby was against Aberdeen because the New Year Day game was always against Aberdeen. They were our nearest rivals, 63 miles away. Dundee United were just a, a, a little club with a, a laughable stadium, a, a wooden shack for a stand and all that. So, mind you, we're laughing on the other side of our faces now, but it, we were laughing at them in those days in as much as we thought about them at all. The, 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 there are all these other rivalries, but the one against Dundee United is good because, and this is where probably a lot of my fellow Dundee fans will be getting angry, but... I prefer the Tannadice derby. I think Tannadice is a better atmosphere ground than Dens. I think uh, it's bigger for a start. You, you know, the, I don't know how many they've sold out for Sunday that they should have done. But the last derby I saw was, you know, when, as usual, we got humped 6-2. And uh, but it was brilliant. It was fantastic. I loved it. I wouldn't say I loved every minute because there were six minutes that I hated. But... Uh, the atmosphere, and and my brother was watching on TV. I can't, I think it was in London. It was it was I was on Sky, and he said, "Wow, it must have been fat. the atmosphere really came through apparently on TV." But it's it, you know you've got something like fourteen and a half thousand, four thousand Dundee fans, and ten thousand United, and and it buzzes and crackles all through the game, and and. It's funny, my mate, who's not as fanatical as me, he, he likes Dundee, but he, he, he's more sort of fair-minded, really, about his sport. And, and we're walking out of the ground, we're going up to this bar after the game, and, and he says, I can't believe the way you behaved during that game. He said, making those gestures. I said, yeah, but they were, they were getting very lippy in the, uh, that, you know, that stand... Uh, to the left of the Jerry Kerr, you know, where the United diehards are. He says, yeah, but, you know, that was a terrible gesture you made to them. I said, did I really? Yeah, he said, yeah, you did four times. So, um, yeah, you just get carried away. It's marvellous. It's absolutely brilliant. But, of course, you don't hate, I don't hate Dundee United at all. I don't, um, you know, and, 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 and nobody does because, well, maybe some on the dairy do, but... Basically, I've got all lucky enough to have a, a, a load of old schoolmates, you know, from 
from the Dundee High School. And um, there's two of us are Arabs and two of us are Dundee. No, three of us, I think, are Dundee. Yeah, three of us, Dundee, and there's two Arabs. But they're they're very mouthy, you know, very noisy. And uh, uh, we're great mates, you know. So it's it it's it's a bit of a cliche to say it's a friendly derby, but it is. You know, you go in the pubs, but no no bouncer. No, I've never seen a bouncer on a uh, in a pub in Dundee on on uh, on Derby Day. And you go in. Well, I wouldn't say we mingle. Uh, but you'll see a group of United Tangerine EasyJet supporters, I call them. Uh, what a terrible colour that is, isn't it? I mean, we, we have that beautiful dark blue. And they play, as I say, they play look, looking like they're auditioning for a job on EasyJet. And uh, we... But anyway, that's by the way. But you see these Dundee United supporters in a little group and the Dundee supporters in a little group. And they're side by side, and there's no problem at all, either before or after the game. I remember after we got beaten 6-2 a couple of years ago, and, and uh, last time we were in the Premier League, and, and uh, uh, I had to walk to get to that pub afterwards. I had to walk round the back of the area where the, the, the main Dundee United behind the goal lads were. So there's about three, 4,000 of them. And as I was walking there, I thought, oh, I'd probably be sensible to put my Dundee scarf inside my coat. And I thought, no. So I tied it, you know, under my chin so that it was very obvious. I walked straight straight through them. Because you know you can there. That, 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 there was a little bit of um, Mickey taking, obviously. They were entitled to that. They won 6-2. But you can do that in Dundee. Now, try that at a Rangers-Celtic game. I wouldn't get. Don't think you'd get the same same outcome. So it's it's a great it's a great derby, and I adore it. And as I say, the atmosphere at Tannadice when when we play is is great. Although I've got plenty of memories of Dens derbies, the the one we won three one, where Kevin Thompson was man of the match, and and uh, Greg Stewart played the best pass I've ever seen in a derby across the face of the goal for a lad. Heffern and just tapped it in. You know, I love those goals where it's. The, the pleasure is drawn out. You know, you could see the goalie was scrambling, corridor of uncertainty in this heaven, and just side foots in at the far post. Bang. You know, that's, that, that, those are great feelings. I think it was the same game McPake scored with a battering header, you know, and, and gave his favorite, famous, you know, muscle flex. Yeah, I mean, Dan's derbies could be great too, but yeah, this is the politically incorrect thing I'm going to say. I, I prefer the atmosphere at Tanadice. I think it's great. Now, coming on to Tanadice as well, obviously, most people know how close the Dens and Tanadice are to each other. Yeah. And also the kind of weird nature in that um, it's a wee bit like the Derby della Madonnina in Milan, whereby yeah. it's not a geographical based That's right. derby. Families can be split one half of these, one half of Arabs. And do you think that that adds something to the rivalry as well, the kind of um, familial yeah, nature of it? Definitely. You know, I, I, you mentioned before, you know, our little gaggle of ex-school chums, all, you know, ancient guys now in our mid-70s. But, uh, you know, we're, it's quite funny. We've got a big, two divides, really. Some, are, some of them are unionists and some of them are nationalists. And some of them, we'll probably argue more about, about politics now than we do about the merits of the teams. Because, to be quite honest, uh, Dundee United 
in recent years are much better. They've always been better than us, even at the things that we try and do really well, like youth development. Up to now, um, they, they've been better than us. They're, 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 there's much to admire about Dundee United. So you've got to be you got to be fair about it. And as you get older, you, you, you know, it's not, it's not life and death. So, um, although it feels like it. But um, no, it, 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 that is a good thing about it. You know, the, uh, the, 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 the fact that, you know, it's, it's across. Uh, uh, there was a very good book about the Dundee rivalry called Across the Great Divide, which I would recommend to anybody if you can still get a copy. It was published many, many years ago, but really good book. And so you, 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 even families can contain the, the, the Great Divide. What are your first memories of the Derby? I can remember that very clearly. That was in, see, because what I said to you before about us laughing a bit at Dundee United at their poor facilities. I, I can actually, I must just tell you this because you mentioned the proximity of the grounds. Um, well, now it's the tradition for uh, if Dundee are playing away, I mean, before the game today, we won't change at Tanda. Our players will change and prepare at Dens and then walk in their tracksuits accompanied by the directors and, and, and the fans up through the United fans outside the Jerry Kerr and Jim McLean stands and into Tanadice. And, and it works the other way around. And it's great. It's one of the best things uh, about the Dundee Derby for me. But way, way back in the day, in the late 1950s, um, there was a, a famous occasion, or infamous, probably Dundee United fans would say, uh, when, and this was, I think, when they were still wearing black and white broad hoops. And... Uh, they play. They got drawn at home against Rangers, and it was a great excitement for them because they were a wee club, second division, and uh, and they got drawn against Rangers. But Rangers, for some reason, took one look at the dressing rooms at Tanadice and thought, "This is not for you know us great international players like Davy Wilson, Jim Baxter." So they they went down to Dens. They changed in our dressing rooms and. And walked up to Tanadice, and, and we taunted them. We taunted the Arabs, if you could find one. There weren't so many in those days. Um, about that, that that was about all. I remember, and but we we were conscious, although we didn't think about it too much, that they had a, a great. I mean, people talk about Jim McLean, and it's arguable that Jim McLean is the best football manager that ever worked in the city of Dundee. So I've, I'd say, in all spirit of fairness, I would say that, but. Another very good manager was his predecessor, Jerry Kerr. People don't realize Jim McLean didn't invent Manchester United. You know, the, the, the Jerry Kerr, the pipe, his pipe-smoking predecessor, um, who handed the club over to Jim, uh, was, was a good manager too. I mean, Jim was, was great, but, but Jerry Kerr was a very good manager. And they were up in the, they'd got up into the same division as us. So the second game, I think it was our first home league game of the season, was against Dundee United in the 61-62 season, which was destined to be our greatest ever. And uh, they came, I can remember the, them, I, I was, you know, usual position perched on the top of the Provi. The crowd was about 18, 19,000, just under 20. And uh, uh, so there was a good atmosphere, and they had their goalkeeper was a lad called Lando Ugolini, who was uh, 
He was in, despite his name, and he's Italian. I think he was English. He played for Middlesbrough, and he was a, a tubby little goalkeeper, but very acrobatic. Um, but we beat him four times. Uh, I've got a book actually. I can find out who scored for us. Andy Penman, the late great Andy Penman, scored. Gordon Smith. So our youngest player and our oldest player. Uh, put us, uh, scored our first two. They had a left back called Jimmy Briggs, who scored an own goal, and Hugh Roberts and our left wing. I got the fourth. I don't know who scored for them, but I, um, they, they, I quite liked some of the Dundee United players in those days. There was one I particularly admired called Dennis Gillespie, uh, and it's, you know, a crafty, clever inside forward. Um, but there were no match for us that season. So it was four. We beat them 4 1, and then in the run up for the title, we beat them 2-1 at uh, Tanadice. Uh, I think that was the third game from the end of it. Yes, it was. Um, the greatest match probably of the season, the greatest two matches of the season, despite the 5-1 win at, uh, at Rangers, were the last two. St. Mirren in the nervous, you know, penultimate game, uh, last home game, and then the final game of the season against St. Johnston uh, away where... We won 3-0 to make absolutely sure of the title and to relegate St. Johnston, by the way. Alex Ferguson was playing for them that day. Alex Ferguson relegated. I was there, along with another 26, 27,000. There's definitely over 20,000 Dundee fans at, in uh, St. Johnston's old stadium, Muirton Park. So, yeah, that was... That was it. But but the, the derby, the second derby, the Tanadice derby, just before that, Gilzean scored twice. We won 2-1. Um, and uh, yeah, after that, the funny thing, after that, the season when we reached, the following season, we reached the semi-finals of the European Cup. Uh, final was at Wembley. It would have been quite a, quite a thing. But uh, anyway, we lost in the semi-finals. But uh, I... I'm pretty sure we finished below United in the league. That and I'll just look. I've got my book here. Season 62-3. Um, yeah, we finished. Uh, anyway, I, I can't find the league table, but I'm pretty sure 62-3. We finished uh, one place beneath United in in the league that season. In fact, we finished two places below United that season, uh, despite getting, despite proving that we were one of the top teams in Europe. So that was an example of how United under Jerry Kerr had um, already started to make it a, a genuine two-team city. Uh, and uh, well, that was the, when Jim McLean crossed the cross, walked from our ground into United's to become manager. Uh, then that completed the process. And for most of the time since, we've been, we've been the second, Dundee's second team. Oh, out, spitting out those words is not easy. I'm telling you, Andy, not easy at all. But it's true. Are there any big, uh, memorable big game players that stick out for you? You mentioned some there, like uh, earlier on, Gozin, uh, Penman, etc., um, and Linny, the goalkeeper as well. Are there any of these players that you loved having in your team when Derby Day came around? Yes. We, yeah, although un unfortunately they didn't stick around because even our, our height, we were a selling club. And Gilzean in 1964, I think it was, went to Tottenham. 
Ian Ewer went to Arsenal. Badalini was actually sold after the title season, the goalie. Um, rather harshly replaced by Bert Slater from Liverpool, but although Bert was a very good goalkeeper as well, tiny but good. Yes, big, big players. I mean, in later years, um, you know, if we, if we sort of really fast forward, uh, I mean, we go into the era of financial maladministration, but playing-wise, some exciting things. You know, Claudio Canigia played a derby. Um, we had, well, it was the Georgian national team captain, Georgi Nimsadze, who was one of the most skillful players, I think, ever to play for Dundee. He'd be in the top 10 technicians ever played for Dundee. And he scored, you know, he scored some fantastic. He had put on some great performances during his time. So the, we were always glad to have people like that in in the team. But the, if you go back to the, if you like, the third millennium, the, my best Derby memory, and everybody, I live in uh, an area of uh, southwest London with lots of t terraced houses, you know, sort of fairly tightly packed you know, streets. And uh, James Grady, you know, any Dundee supporter will know exactly what I'm going to talk about. James Grady played for us, good, good winger, and uh, he scored arguably the best goal Dundee have ever scored at Danadice. I think it was 2007, something like that. It's a volley. And it's not a lucky one. It's an incredible, you, you can see, I've been, you know, I watch it, I watch it, <laughs> I watch it about 10 times a year. You know, I go back to watch it. Uh, James Grady goal at Tannadice and he hits it. He aims, it's a dream goal because he knows exactly where he's going to put it. And he hits it with the outside of his right foot. The ball, it's, it's what's often incorrectly called a half volley. It's, where the ball bounces and, they hit, and, it, and you hit it on the rise. There'd been an aerial challenge and it bounced just right for him. And he hits it with the outside of his right foot towards the far corner. And you can see from his eyes that he knows exactly what he's doing. He aims it for about five yards wide. So it, it, the goalkeepers got no chance. They could have had five goalkeepers and they would have had no chance of stopping that. And it, 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 it curves into the far corner and it is just the perfect goal. And uh, James is often asked about it. And, and his only regret is that the referee had told him before that when at Tanadice, he says, listen, whatever you do, I'm going to be very strict. If you go into the crowd to celebrate, you're going to get booked. Now, of course, everybody knows it happens all the time, but because the passions were running high. So James was ran over because it was, it was uh, for that game, the, the shed behind the goal was full of Dundee supporters and it was battered into that stand. And his first reaction was to do what Paul McGowan did recently when, when he scored a great equalizer against Hibbs. Uh, was to run into the crowd and he did, he took the booking and fair enough, that's all right. Um, but James's reaction was to do that, just to, just to get in among those crowd, that crowd. 
And of course, he, he realized the referee's words, so he had to stop and run back. And uh, that's his only regret, because it was just such an emotional. And, and the reason I'm talking about the people of my area around here, southwest London, the reason they remember it is that I, I can remember my bald head hitting the ceiling. I'm not kidding. I promise you this is true. I jumped. I was watching it on the telly, and I jumped so high that my bald head hit the ceiling. <laughs> And I was screaming. And I'm sure, you know, there must have been a few of my neighbors, you know, dialing 999 saying there's somebody being killed at number 56. <laughs> but but um, <laughs> it was just such a fantastic goal. And uh, I'll just never forget the moment it went in. Most recently, more recently, well, there was <clears throat> what, what we call the Dune Derby, the, the one where... Craig Whiten, Dundee boy, Dundee fan, uh, scored a trundler that sealed United's relegation. Cami Kerr, one of, of, of a, a fine, fine footballer and another Dundee fan, and normally one of the most dignified of footballers, but he couldn't resist shaking a fist at United fans behind the goal. Uh, <laughs> you know, there are times when you just can't resist it. And... Uh, <laughs> and uh, that was that was great as well. And 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 the the Heffernan goal at the far post, you know, the the James McPake equalizer at Tannadice got us a two-all draw. Uh, that was fun. Uh, One-all draw, maybe two-all draw. I can't remember, but you know, to score at Tannadice in 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 the last minute and and very bravely too. Um, that was a brave goal um, by James McBacon. So there's still, it's still, it's a gift that keeps on giving the Dundee Derby. And I, I, I know at the moment, you know, we have to take, we have to bite our tongues quite a lot when they talk about, when we say, oh yeah, I talk about that game where we lost 6-2 and the United fans say, which game that you lost 6-2? You, you usually lose 6-2. And, and it's true that we've, we've been on the wrong end of that kind of scoreline quite more than we were more than we would find comfortable, but um, it's, uh, you know, who knows? We might do it again. We got we got a draw, uh, I think, last time we were at Tanadice, Graham Doran's uh, equalised for us. I suppose it's like they say, if a player can't get fired up for a derby, when will they get fired up exactly? Yeah, absolutely. And that's my only... I'm a little bit sad about this derby for one reason, that um, Charlie Adam, my fellow Dundee fan, uh, got that niggle, you know, that injury up in the groin area. That means he's going to miss it. And if I had a magic wand, I would like him to be fitting ready for that game because that'll be one of the things he's dreamed of. He's got, and also there's a Rangers game coming up. You know, he started his career, I think, at Rangers, Charlie. So that's one that he will have ticked off on this fixture list. But I think to have represented that, the stick he would have got at Tanadice, he'd have loved it. He'd have absolutely loved it. There'd have been 10,000 people ridiculing him at, and, and, and how he would have loved the challenger shutting him up, you know. And it's not to be. So that's my only sadness looking forward to the game. The rest is just counting kind of, kind of the minutes. You talk there about Charlie Adam 
how he would have got stick. Um, yeah. You've met, sorry, uh, you've mentioned some of the players that you enjoyed watching um, yeah. for Dundee. Are there any players on the United side? You've mentioned you admired some of them, but are there any of them that you love to hate come Derby Day? Well, there was a certain era that I've not mentioned for a reason when they used to come. I mean, uh, God rest his soul, he's not no longer with us now, but Ralphie Milne, what a wonderful goal that was. He scored, you know, to to seal our fate at Dens when they won the league and they won the League Cup there. Uh, I mean, that that was an era when they had players that, are, that really frightened me. Sturrock, Luggy Sturrock, Paul Sturrock. Uh, he's wonderful. I told him once that he was the acceptable face of Arabism, because he was—he's one. Uh, Paul Sturrock was one of my favourite players that I've ever that I've ever seen in my life. Actually, he would be in my top twenty favourite players. Paul Sturrock, Neri was <laughs> Neri was good as well. Uh, David Neri, um, but well, ones I love to hate. Well, I suppose. I can't remember the names, but they had two big centre-halves. They had a Polish, I think, a Polish centre-half, big bald centre-half, scored a goal in the last minute against us. Certainly hated him for a few hours. Um, forgotten his name now, but uh, I, I must say, I, I'm never very happy about Callum Butcher. But he's good, you know, a holding midfield player. But he's, he's very good in derbies. He just batters a couple of hours early on. And they're never really bad challenges. They're not dangerous. But he obviously really, really likes hurting us. And uh, so he, he rattles their bones a, a bit, you know, in that, in that first few minutes. And if he's playing, you know, I'll be, I'll be screaming abuse at him, I hope. Um, but... Uh, so he's probably the main hate figure, and, and hate in inverted commas. I mean, I remember after they won 6-2 and he was doing more dancing than I considered uh, proper, but so was Paul McMullen, and we've got him now. <laughs> we've got him. <laughs> I'm hoping he'll be fit. He missed the last game. And uh, I'm really, really hoping that's a sign that, that he's saving himself for Tannadice because he's, he's hurt us. I mean, uh, in the in the six, the last six-two game, I mean, he absolutely skinned us, and uh, with his pace and directness on the right flank, and uh, so I'm hoping he'll be able to do it for us at Tannadice. I mean, that's a great thing that we've got players like that now. We, I, I think McMullen's got the capability of being a really good Premier League player. Now, one last question: Given that yeah. both teams have kind of been up and down. Over yeah. the past decade or so, yeah. where for some of the time both in the Premier League, some of the time one in one Premier League, one in the Championship, and yes. then sometimes both in the Championship. Um, yeah. Do you prefer having the guaranteed derby matches every year by yes. being in the same league, or do you enjoy it more when they're rarer when they come around, um, say no. once or twice a season? No, can't get enough. Can't get enough of them. No, I love being in the same. Uh, division is Dundee United, but obviously prefer it to be in the Premier League. Even though, you know, history shows we 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 do struggle even more than than them in the Premier League. But no, these 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 are cup finals um, for for us. It's two three guaranteed cup finals under the current format. Plus, you never know if we 
make progress in the cups, you know, um, we're doing better than usual in the, in the league cup so far. So, no, they, I, I just can't get enough of them. And, you know, if we stayed, that, that's why I didn't really join too much in the prolonged celebrations of sending them down because when Craig Whiten scored, but because, you know, the, the, the Premier League's barren for me in a way if Dundee United are not in it because those derbies are so big I love a full house you know I love a full house where people everybody everybody in the in the stadium screaming and and that's what you're guaranteed with a derby so nope uh, I, I, I wasn't really I celebrated the moment but I didn't celebrate it once the cold reality of not having derbies uh, dawned so Craig Whiten no, maybe didn't do us the biggest favour as we thought at the time. Danny, thanks very much for speaking to us and uh, I hope you enjoy the game on Sunday when it comes around. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute joy to talk to you, Andy. Thank you very much. Thanks to Paddy for sharing his memories with us. No matter how each team is doing in the league, you can never doubt that Derby Day in Dundee is always a feisty affair with whole families sometimes splitting their loyalties to the two teams in the city. Good luck to both teams. Here's hoping for a good, entertaining game on Sunday. At the start of the podcast, we asked you if Dundee or United had won more derby matches. The answer is United. While Dundee were the dominant team in the city from their formation up until the appointment of Jim McLean in 1971, from that point onwards the Terrors have largely dominated the derby. At the time of recording, in terms of competitive matches, Dundee have 49 wins to United's 80, with 42 games ending as draws. In terms of silverware, both teams are on equal footing with five major honours each. Both teams have won the league title once, with United winning two Scottish Cups to Dundee's one and Dundee winning three League Cups to United's two. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Scottish Football Citizen. Subscribe to us on your favourite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And join us again next week when we'll be looking back at more of the best of Scottish football from the past. If you'd like an extra football fix in your inbox every Tuesday, you can subscribe to Football Memories Scotland's weekly newsletter, The Football Special, and receive an email full of excellent pictures and stories from days gone by. To find out more, email lindsay at lindsay.hamilton at scottishfootballmuseum.org.uk We'd like to remind our listeners that Michael McEwan's book the Ghosts of Cathkin Park is now on sale. Priced normally at £17.99, listeners of the Scottish Football Citizen can take advantage of 20% off for a limited time by entering the discount code CATHKIN2021 on the Berlin website when buying the book. It's a must read for any fan of Third Lanark or even Scottish football history. The Scottish Football Citizen is written, edited and produced by Andy Kerr for Football Memories Scotland, in association with Alzheimer Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum. Additional contributions from Robert Harvey, Jim Orr, 
Lindsay Hamilton and Richard McBrearty. Thanks to Lawrence Lindsay and Patrick Barclay for speaking to the podcast.